This is She Sparks Tech, a podcast about women who take technology to heart in their careers. We will explore stories about women who think creatively, find new directions, solve problems, and chase passions, all through technology. I'm your host, Casey Bertelsman, and I'm excited about showcasing amazing women in their careers, from dreams to the unexpected, in hopes of inspiring each of us to think bigger. Afifa Siddiqui started her career as an electrical engineer and then worked to build several successful companies for herself based on improving systems with technology, from recruiting to job board software to payroll services. She has worked to continuously challenge the status quo for the hiring process and simplify how companies go through the process. Afifa, it is great to have you here today. Um, We have a lot to cover. You have a great story, a lot of wonderful things you've done in your career, and I'm really happy to have you here. It was nice to uh, have this conversation, Casey. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. So like I said, you know, you've had a lot of success in your career. You've created opportunities for your unique path. If we were to start at the beginning of your career and your role in electrical engineering, what made you choose to pursue electrical engineering? So I, uh, I actually quite enjoy math and science. And in high school, those were, I'm sure this story is, is common to, to a lot of women. We get a lot of great marks. And so I, I basically chose a path that got me a scholarship into university because at the time, that's what my goal was. And I, I chose engineering because I had great math for that particular program. And I had some good role models, uh, uh, and I pursued a path that uh, some of my friends, uh, my older friends had taken. Um, And and actually, in hindsight, after I graduated from engineering, I could actually say it was the process of going through engineering school. It it wasn't really to be an engineer. They they do something in engineering school, at least at University of Toronto, where they, the way they teach you to think. So... You know, I I graduated with an electrical engineering degree, but what I got from my education was was not about engineering. It was problem solving. And uh, one thing I'm I'm quite uh, uh, proud to say, because through my actual career and work, I know this for a fact, engineers can do anything. If there's a problem to solve, a challenge to tackle, an engineer can can approach it and and uh, tackle it because I mean I've done that as, as as a technical person as a project manager and in my own businesses I, I engineer my way out of problems. I d- would definitely agree with that. Um, I like to say that an engineer is a professional problem solver. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that statement. Yeah, you know you can teach anyone to use a calculator, but the the yeah. skills behind it are what really make the difference. Yeah. And, you know, if I could take a a minute to comment, I think female engineers bring a a whole other perspective, because if if you're talking about problem solving, there is some way, and I I don't want to make it very gender specific, but we do think a little differently from from our male counterparts. And, you know, I know in all my lab work, it was pretty evident we, we, uh, there there weren't, in, in my graduating class in electrical, you know, out of 150 students, 20 some odd uh, women and it was very clear we we would tackle problems a little differently 
and even in, in the business world and in everywhere that I've worked, I, I kind of observe this. Yeah, and I think it's not necessarily um, just, I wouldn't say like experiences from growing up in the gendered sense, but all of us do tackle problems a little bit different based on what we've been Mm -hmm. exposed to and how we've been Mm -hmm. taught. And having that variety is what really makes, that's, that's a skill that you can take to any industry. And I've definitely seen where many, successful women in business started in engineering and they have the skills and the management experience to be successful in anything, not strictly engineering. Yeah. Um, And so you said, you know, you don't work in electrical engineering anymore. I, you pivoted your career and you pivoted toward recruiting. Can you tell me what made you choose that direction? Well, I'll give you a little uh, career journey, actually. So I yeah. did, I started off uh, uh, right out of uh, school. I got my first job at, at Ontario Hydro, uh, which is a, a power generation company at the time. And they split up in uh, into generation and distribution. So I worked both sides of the, let's see, power industry. And it, within those, like for the first decade, I did project management, uh, you know, applications engineering. And you know, sort of in the um, second, I guess, after five, six years of of working in the field, I I was working as an applications engineer, actually applying the technology that that we would build. Um, So I I went from there into sales, but always in a technical, you know, area. But I realized that I'm I'm a very good project manager, people person, making sure that things because to me, coming in on, on time and budget wasn't my goal. Coming under time and uh, faster, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was always my goal. And so I was very good at that. Um, at the time, uh, it, it was around, uh, I guess, 1999. Uh, the industry I was in, I was in the electronics industry. And my our jobs, uh, the entire industry, it seemed, overnight, literally got outsourced to uh, China and India. And so I actually was doing a job search for myself and I would go into these interviews and and uh, uh, right away I'd know this role isn't for me, but I can actually introduce somebody who I know in my network who'd be great at this, way better than me anyways. So I started doing this and after a while I'm like, you know, I don't have a job, but I should be paid for what I'm doing here. <laughs> so that was actually how I created the uh, my first or launched into my first business, which was uh, recruiting and very specialized because I stuck to the the technical aspects of what I knew, and uh, I, I didn't I was never formally trained as a recruiter. And at that time when I started Kronos, I uh, had not even had a good experience being headhunted. So, you know, that's how I went about it. How would I w- want to be headhunted? And literally, I created my practice around that. And then I, I also had met, um, I'd taken a, a little course just to say, you know, I, I got to learn the basics of this to see what the systems are. And uh, I met my partner who, you know, joined me a year later. And, and he's actually my husband now. So together, the two of us, yeah, I headhunted my husband. So we, we, <laughs> We built our, our practice around, um, you know, very technical, like he's a mining engineer, electrical engineer. So again, we stuck to what we knew. And, you know, in a decade, we grew very successful, very specialized recruiting uh, business. But, um, you know, I, I'm a big 
pivoter. So <laughs> the pivots kept happening because uh, right now, you know, the business that I'm very excited and I'm scaling is actually an offshoot of experiments I ran in the recruiting practice. And it's, uh, it's called pay, uh, Canadian Payroll Services. So it's, uh, it's an offshoot because, you know, in our, in our engineering recruiting business, we were, we were, uh, you know, we were basically hiring contractors and they were set up as independent incorporated contractors. And then we would source them out to, you know, very, again, very technical, very niche roles. So we were in the nuclear space. That was a big uh, niche for us. Uh, And also mining infrastructure, like big, big, heavy industrial uh, projects we would get involved with. So because we were doing that, the next thing, like we've, we've gone through a number of cycles. So, you know, every time like markets crash, all of a sudden your market uh, mining industry goes into a slump cycle. You have to find, you know, what's your next uh, niche while, while mining or, or, you know, power generation or infrastructure projects are down, then, okay, hey, renewables are up. So it, every year it seemed like I was building a brand new practice area. And it, it's very entrepreneurial, you know, but, but I developed a system and I developed systems that actually made it easy to run these businesses uh, simply. And, you know, yes, there's lots of software out there, but I really like customizing, uh, you know, the experience I want to give. So I often, you know, think about building, uh, I've always built our own proprietary software. Not, not that that's the way to go because often it's more expensive. <laughs> you make a lot of your own mistakes. But, uh, you know, that learning, I still do. I, I'm still building software to make the user experience of my clients and, and our end uh, workers even better. So we apply technology, uh, not just myself, but my, my whole team loves the application of tech. And I'm sure since you had started some of that work in 1999, you've seen a huge growth in how you do your job using technology. Oh my goodness, yes. You know, at one of your, your other interviews, you, you were speaking about how every business is now a, a tech business because everybody has to be online. And, you know, like like even I got a, an ad the other day from a, a cleaning service and oh my God, what a great experience. Their messaging was bang on. I, I forwarded to my marketing people that, hey, <laughs> these guys are cleaners and look what they're doing. They're cleaning up. <laughs> So every business has, uh, uh, I guess, digital footprint now. So uh, tech is just coming, like applications, apps, web apps. Like there's just so many of them. I, I'm actually, in, in some ways, as much as I love it, I hate it. I actually am trying to find simpler ways and simpler things, and I find those better experiences. Actually, you can go online and potentially find the same job posted ten places. Yes, um, and do I apply to the one that, you know, maybe tells me there's three applicants or do I go with LinkedIn where everyone saw it, but there's 500 applicants and how am I actually going to be seen? Yes. So, you know, what's interesting about that, I actually have uh, three companies and one of them is called Curly. If it's a job board software company and there is a whole, you know, niche out there where um, job distribution networks Right. And this is all like it is a pay-per-click. It is it is something that that uh, uh, all the job boards are like scraping each other. So, you know, when you say you see a job, it could be the same job in like 10 different places. But you're right. If if you can see who's applied, this is a great thing for candidates to figure out. 
and the savvy ones do, but there's still a lot of people who, who are kind of not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. You accidentally apply two or three times and yeah. <laughs> doesn't well, look you so know, great. I, I, as, as a recruiter, I remember getting this experience where I would call people who've, who've applied. And when I call them, they're surprised to hear from me. What? I applied? <laughs> <laughs> that was always very funny because that's either a red flag or, or you know, this person's really in demand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's uh, great. So you, you have three companies. Can we talk about each one individually so that we know kind of what each they do? Sure. The um, So they're, they're all sort of related spaces, but uh, they're very different. And that's why I keep well, they're, they're, they're different. They serve different uh, uh, purposes. So Canadian Payroll Services is very niche, and it's actually a lot of fun. We, um, uh, so we're a Canadian company, but uh, all our clients, 100%, are non-Canadian. So what Canadian Payroll Services does as a niche is we, we allow uh, non-Canadian entities, American companies, majority, uh, UK, uh, Germany, like we, we've got clients everywhere, but they want to hire Canadian workers, but not as contractors. So we ensure that the Canadian workers, we become the employer of record, and we make sure that they are treated well and the companies are in compliance. So we get them benefits. We get them, you know, RRSPs, which is like the 401k equivalent like those type of things because I, I do believe that um, people should be treated well paid well and you, you, this is a service and the companies that do well are the ones who treat their people well and so we become that for in all of these foreign companies that want to hire Canadians so it's a, it's a nice niche uh, the Kronos business is still active. We, we do recruiting in that business and we also do hire contractors, like very specifically, highly specialized though. I, I tend to really like niches. So right now the, the niche we serve is the uh, um, nuclear industry. That's our biggest uh, niche in Kronos right now. And I'm doing other little experiments there. I, I want to actually build out uh, marketing and, and uh, again, to help people you know, this example you're talking about when they're looking for work, finding work, making it easier for people. So staff augmentation to help companies from that end, because, you know, the candidates are so confused sometimes. But if you help the company, you know, advertise themselves and how to put their best foot forward, then they'll get the better applicants or the most relevant people that are right for them. Yeah, the it's a sense where there are always opportunities, but you want to make sure that your opportunity is appealing to the top people and it's meeting whatever needs and wants they have and developing as their people do. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, we also practice what we preach, like at uh, uh, CPS, uh, you know, our, our people are our product right we we do hr services uh for all of these clients and you know we were doing remote work before it was a thing before we were one of those companies that were trying to like move the movement forward and now you know because of covid this is one of the blessings of covid you know how people yes there are challenges working from home but once people got in the rhythm there's a lot of perks and benefits i mean the commute you know and and that this the air is cleaner <laughs> 
<laughs> Hopefully it doesn't go too much the other way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm currently working remotely for my company and I, I love it. You know, I have my setup, but like my dogs are also right there with me yeah. throughout the day. And I'm like, it makes I me feel this. better. I'm sure they feel better. They love that. Pets, honestly, they wouldn't, they don't want you to go back. <laughs> no, I'm like, I might have to bring them with me if I go back. <laughs> Yeah, I'm finding that there's uh, there's there's people who, okay, so companies, some of them are just fully engaged now. We're going to be remote. And this, we're one of those. We don't, we're not intending to force anyone back. Uh, if we do, it'll be maybe one or two days and then to do sort of company type of events and, and you know, catch-ups. But for the most part, everybody loves it. Uh, and, and I did spend, uh, you know, the first six months, I was worried about my people, whether they get different being isolated and and so I, I actually overcompensated I would be calling everybody like are you okay <laughs> can we get you a therapist <laughs> and then they'd be like what do you mean by that <laughs> Just, do I seem off <laughs> it was actually me <laughs> but that uh, is very- the it's the proactive way that's, you know, a few steps beyond saying, make sure you take care of yourself. And then also remember we have 10 deadlines this week. Um, <laughs> and it's might've been a little more on the, the higher end, but um, showing that people were able to come forward, I'm sure definitely made a difference to all of them. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, because we're also, uh, employing people on behalf of other companies, I think it's important to role model that because that would help our own, you know, our our HR and and, uh, customer service people. They did the same thing, you know, go check in on on the workers and the clients and see that everything's okay. How are they doing with their remote work? But because we were already remote work, we were were just experiencing it ourselves because even though we we provided the service up until a year ago, we we were in an office ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a... It's probably been a, a big transition, but also felt decently natural yeah. for all of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's a, yeah. So other companies are, are thinking, how are they going to, you know, forge ahead? And because we, we have exposure to a lot of, uh, uh, you know, these conversations happening, it's it's a half and half. Like there there's a companies that, that – uh, will not go back and others that uh, are, are still contemplating how to get their people in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what kind of long-term impact comes from it for remote yeah. work or even flexible yeah. hybrid methods. Well, I think a good thing is companies and uh, managers are realizing they, they, they can go outside now and, and broaden their base of, of talent. And that's a good thing. Because, you know, if, if a company, especially if they want innovation, you know, they can now go and get it, not just from, you know, their local regional communities. And, you know, having done the recruiting, especially the offshore recruiting, sometimes there's some very specialized roles that you just you just can't find in your backyard. And so this makes it easier for companies to now, you know, be competitive. And it's going to be exciting, actually, to see what companies, you know, really forge ahead. Because now you, d- you don't have to live in a big city and have that huge burdensome cost of living. So lots of changes. Yeah, you just have to live somewhere with good internet. Exactly. Another tech. <laughs> <laughs>
Would you say that with the development of your businesses, there is any kind of chain reaction to, you know, you start one, you're like, well, we really need something like this. And, you know, X, Y, Z, we haven't found it anywhere that we like. So let's, let's do that. All the time. <laughs> you just <laughs> describe my personality. <laughs> you know, there's a, like right now for, for CPS, there's a ton of HRIS systems in the market. There's lots of applicant tracking systems, you know, there's subscribe subscription products. But it, so one of the reasons I, I do build our own uh, tools is because I, I like to build the experience that I want uh, people to have. And if I can't find it in a product, and, and maybe it's just also, you know, my predisposition, the, the more I've done it, the, the better we've gotten at it. And it's, uh, you know, I arrive a little faster with fewer mistakes than I did, say, 10 years ago. Because <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes. So we do right now, uh, same thing. There, there's, uh, it's not just an HRIS system I'm building. I'm building something that, that is uh, subscriber-based that uh, I call them all sticky tools. So, for example, if I'm servicing a payroll client and they want to leave my service, but they love my tools, I continue to have a revenue stream. So mm -hmm. we never, you know, tie people to us except for we give amazing service. So and it's not just technology. We do this through our methods, like our customer service people are so responsive. We're constantly getting this feedback that, you know, one of the reasons we get so much repeat uh, business from our clients is because like our, our, our uh, team actually calls people within two hours, although we commit to 24. <laughs> so yeah. you, you set the bar at an acceptable level and then you just exceed it as yes. the opportunities come. Yeah. And then if you can, if, if you're doing that anyways, then you can actually build your systems around that. So, you know, this is why I'm, uh, I'm a believer in maybe building our own tools so that we can help ourselves be better. And then we build to our business processes. And then, you know, I also like to have a little bit more control because I know my processes are going to change, especially like, for example, with, with COVID, so much that we had been playing with and experimenting and automating, it just now works. And it's, it's shaved time off people. And, and that's actually what the purpose of tech is to me. I, I don't want to replace my people. My people are irreplaceable, right? The team, it, you always want to have, like, especially in a service business, I, I can't see, you know, wanting to replace anybody with AI or a chatbot. But those become tools to help them do their jobs better and, and to be that responsive. So that's kind of how I view it. It improves efficiency and it improves experiences along the way. See, I talk like that, but but people don't like because then I sound like an engineer. So, <laughs> I'm like, you know, you had fun with that, didn't you? <laughs> Use shorter words now. <laughs> we engineers have that problem, don't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's you know, trying to find the right word to sum it up. So you just say one word and then people are like, okay, I need, I need a couple more words. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I would say HR is not, you know, the first connection I make when I think technology. Um, I think a lot of paperwork, which might be a little more old school. How do you specifically use technology, especially as you've built your HR companies and 
have been developing all kinds of new things. So, you know, you you just said that uh, HR is is actually not sexy at all. It's it's not fun. Even there's so much admin and paperwork. It's like and payroll, same thing, you know, And, and I just remember one of the ways that I look for opportunity, like as an entrepreneur, I look for places where there are ugly problems, like not, you know, they don't need to be crazy, uh, you know, let's just say they're not rocket science problems. Most companies, you know, even to this day, filling out insurance forms, you know, you would think that by now insurance companies could get better at it. They don't need the ink anymore. Everybody has moved on to digital signing except mm-hmm. those freaking insurance companies. Yep. <laughs> There's, I actually went on a search. I, once uh, we got to a certain size because we, we work with benefits providers. I actually asked them all. We've got a couple hundred people. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to digitize my, my um, benefits forms. Would they do it? No. But the one company that did, I took that pain it, that took months and months and I moved everybody off of the old into the new because mm-hmm. it's it made it simpler. And and that's what I think tech should do. And so we all our digital contracts, for example, we administer lots of lots of contracts. One of the reasons people work with us is because we make it simple. We, we load everything up. We put it into a nice like, I mean, there's tons now. There's Adobe uh, DocSign. We use something called PandaDocs. And, you know, we make it simple for people and then we make it easy for them to find their stuff. And now I'm building tools so that they can, you know, they can have access and talk to us in an easier manner, you know, not just phone, email, like something more personal and intimate, but you always get a voice. So, you know, there's, uh, um, maybe I shouldn't say this, but but there are some sneaky ways that businesses, especially, you know, if you're new to a space, but you're starting up a business, one thing is look at your competition. And, you know, I always say every business, you should never hope for a monopoly. Monopolies are not good. You you really want uh, uh, good competitors because they make you sharp. They make you work hard and t- to be better and to pr- provide, uh, you know, better services. But you also want those competitors that suck because you look <laughs> so good, right? So you need both. And, you know, as, as a small business, when you start, one of the good ways is to look at both, you know, do some of your own market research. And every company does this every in every industry. I don't care who they say they are. They're looking at their com- competitors and take some guidance from that. And if you see that one competitor is really terrible at their contracts, that is a good competitive advantage. Be better at your contracts. Make it easy for people to sign up. Make it, you know, um, easy to access, provide better service and, you know, those become differentiators but you know you might need to either call them <laughs> and see what they <laughs> offer you might need to pretend you're you're a customer <laughs> but this stuff happens all the time it's competitive research would you have advice or resources that you would recommend to women who are looking for um, opportunities to use tech to build businesses relating to things they're passionate about you know I I think that um, it, I would say it depends on, on what business, what idea that, that you're building with. But, but to what you said, there are so many resources out there right now. Like, I mean, everyone maybe just start with that Google search. But I also always start with a phone call. I call people who are doing what it is that I want or close to it. And 
they're the best resources because, you know, tech aside, people want to help, but because there's so many to choose from, getting a recommendation on, on a couple. Like, for example, in, uh, in recruiting, you know, there are, there's hundreds of applicant tracking systems. If you were wanting to start a, a job board or a recruiting company, you know, I might ask you, okay, which, which niche, which area, before I would venture to say, hey, why don't you try such and such a product? Because there might be ones that are better suited. Like if you're doing a gig uh, economy type of, of uh, practice or, or job board, you know, you, you, may, you may choose definitely something more suited to your, your candidate base or your client pool. So, but, but again, if, if, I, if I called either, I, I actually have no qualms calling my competitor and say, hey, <laughs> I'm thinking of this. <laughs> a lot of them, they get caught by surprise. And that's how, you know, you build also solid networks. And, and as anybody starting in business, having good networks is pretty crucial. And that's non-tech, right? But if you call them in order to, you know, suss out, hey, what tech are you using? It's a nice little uh, bridge builder. Yeah, you build relationships that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think tech is a great door opener. It didn't used to be that way because it wasn't as, pro- you know, wasn't that proliferant, if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the the level of social media, especially, you know, in the last year, as we've been forced to mostly socialize online, people are yeah. more willing to connect and communicate yeah. that way. Yeah, like a lot of digital businesses have, have grown this last year. And rightfully so, right? This this is a whole new area and it's it's expanding. And I think there's gonna be a um, consolidation happen just like any industry because in some places it's too much. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some, you know, some grow, some die, but that's, that's the, uh, the way life goes, right? Yeah, that's the nature of business, no matter yes. what's happening outside. Yeah, and I mean, I can speak to that. I mean, I've got tons of failures behind me before I, you know, <laughs> before <laughs> I had some of these wonderful, you know, successful businesses, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, dead animals. <laughs> <laughs> Some skeletons in the closet. Yeah, hopefully no, they're not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they got moved out. Oh, you know, that's a good service. <laughs> good skeleton cleaning closet service. <laughs> Helping you deal formally with that baggage. As, <laughs> that's right. Formerly known as, as therapy. Yep. Right. <laughs> Entrepreneurs. That's right. Uh, anyways, what 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 I do think though is is uh, with technology, I have to apply a lot of humor because you know those there's so many of these uh, uh, jokes, you know, like about the cookie, right? <laughs> Can you remember the punchline? But cookies drive me nuts. So uh, uh, you know, applying humor through through all the problems you have to solve with applying tech. Because uh, I think that this whole area of user experience is also improving. And it's, it's a long time coming. I'm so glad that it's here because, you know, those sites and those, those places, those companies that put out products without really um, checking the experience. Like some of the big guys get away with it all the time. Like Microsoft mm-hmm. puts out glitchy stuff all the time and they expect their users to live through it. And I think that that is, is going to change or I hope it does people are going to start having enough options that they demand mm-hmm. better experiences. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, now, you know, the G Suite competing with Office, well, they're both kind of bad, but in their own ways. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is free to me right now. One of them yeah. isn't. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they're both kind of uh, uh, pricey for what they are. <laughs> yes. So I guess looking to the future, how do you see technology continuing to improve your work? I think that the more ease of use technology can can help, uh, like in the professional service space, which is what where I define, I guess, our all our my businesses, is it, that's where I I believe we're going to go, and we are going to actually be. Uh, I would like to say pioneers, but but not pioneers, innovators ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because improving the service is not necessarily, it definitely is not replacing people. And yet people get confused that technology can replace people. And I say, no, it should actually enhance uh, the people experience and make it easier for, for example, if you're servicing, you know, me as a, as a client and trying to give me a good customer service experience or help me with, you know, my payroll or help me with whatever it is that, that non-sexy thing that you're trying to help with. <laughs> All of this matters, like to do it efficiently, to do it quickly, and to do it so that the person that you're helping is less anxious. And I think the more that, that we can get our tech to do that, that is the role I see. And, and you know, I also, I'm, I'm sitting watching AI, I'm sitting watching some of these, these other, um, you know, uh, conversations that are going on that, you know, we're going to be replaced by robots and you know if that happens it'll be very sad because robots won't give us this human experience yeah the the human connection makes a really big difference mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at least to other humans <laughs> yes <laughs> that sums up the list of questions that i was hoping to get through for our conversation is there anything else you would like to share or anything you feel like i missed Oh, no, I think uh, uh, you covered pretty much everything. I, I, I would encourage uh, anybody, especially, you know, young uh, engineers who want to try uh, their entrepreneurial bent. This is a great uh, environment to, to do it in. I mean, when you you're, have an idea and you have a chance to, to try something out, right now having a side gig is a, is a very acceptable uh, thing to do. And so many businesses are launched you know, and, and then you can get to that stage where, you know, where people say that it, do what you love and the money follows. Mm-hmm. I've never believed that. But <laughs> if there's a time that that would be true, it's now. <laughs> because if you're out of work, just do it. <laughs> yeah. If you're, you know, if you need something and it's crunch time. Yes. Make it happen. Exactly. And try lots of stuff. I mean, th- that's the advice I'd give any entrepreneur that you have an idea because the world is littered with ideas. Like I have like 2000 ideas a day. It's not about the idea. It's about the execution of the idea. And, you know, the things that, that actually work are the ones that are, that are practical, that have helped people's lives. That's what, what I find my success in. And sometimes it's not that, that new, crazy, innovative thing. It's a simple thing to put, like if, if you were able to to use my app and do it cleanly the first time and have a good experience, that will make you smile all day because you didn't spend an hour trying to figure out how a printer works. Yes. It's like that. Those are worthy ideas of, of implementing and executing on. 
So Afifa, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn is a great spot. I, I uh, uh, Afifa S. Uh, it's LinkedIn in, in Canada, and mm-hmm. I, uh, I usually accept everybody unless you give me reason not to. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'll put a link to that um, in the show notes. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much it. It was really great chatting with you. I loved the conversation we had. So thank you for making time this evening. Well, thank you. I enjoyed this. It's a nice way to end my day. (laughs) (laughs) Afifa's story is one that I love. Her entrepreneurial spirit is amazing. She takes humor with everything she does. And as she says, she loves to pivot. She is a professional pivoter. It's what she does. She is full of great ideas and has made them into her livelihood. And tech has played a huge role in the success of each of those companies and allows for those pivots. Thanks again to Afifa for taking the time to speak with me. I hope you enjoyed her story as much as I did. Please join me again in two weeks for another great episode of She Sparks Tech. I'll catch you then. Thank you.